You know, as different as everything seems this holiday season, one thing still holds true year after year. Everybody loves holiday scratch-offs from the Ohio Lottery. And with tickets available from $1 to $20, they're the perfect gift for anyone on your list 18 years or older. So stay safe this year and play it safe with your gift-giving. Give scratch-offs from the Ohio Lottery. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Please play responsibly. You know, as different as everything seems this holiday season, one thing still holds true year after year. Everybody loves holiday scratch-offs from the Ohio Lottery. And with tickets available from $1 to $20, they're the perfect gift for anyone on your list 18 years or older. So stay safe this year and play it safe with your gift-giving. Give scratch-offs from the Ohio Lottery. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Please play responsibly. Welcome to Preach, Care, Preach with Rashad. We are the prophets. Here's another episode, another sermon coming at you from 12 Ounce Sports. Uh, Zingo TV, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, anywhere else you can uh, find us. Welcome to the show. What's going on, Rashad? What it do, bro? Got our special guest in the building as well, man. And without further ado, we have uh, Ross Jackson, uh, editor of the Canal Street Chronicles. You can find them at Saints CSC on Twitter. He's also the host of the Locked In Network uh, for the Saints. Uh, I listen to my Locked In Vikings. I listen to the Locked In Draft. So this is right up my alley. If you are a Saints fan, please, please, please check that out. Uh, welcome to the show, Ross. Hey, brothers. I uh, appreciate you letting me be here, man. Thank you for welcoming me in. Uh, very excited to get to chop it up with y'all. I hope that y'all are doing well, staying safe. Everybody's good, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, man. Good, good. Glad to hear it. For real. <laughs> you know how I go. Um, so b- before we, I guess, get started off, we want to, uh, you know, first c- kind of like dive in on the, on the Saints, uh, draft this past weekend. Uh, you had mm-hmm. actually, I want to say not really a surprising pick, but you know, a pick that I didn't really see coming in, in the first round. So I- I'm gonna let you talk about it first. Uh, how did you like, uh, C- uh Cesar Ruiz from Michigan? Yeah, man. It's funny. Like I-, I consistently made a lot of jokes leading up to the draft about like, yeah, you know, you could talk about all these wide receivers and linebackers you want, but you know, Sean's going to go out there and take an offensive lineman. And it was kind of my way of just like messing with people and picking on people and everything. And then lo and behold, uh, Cesar Ruiz out of Michigan center uh, ends up being the number 24 overall selection and their top selection in this draft. And so uh, it was a little surprising, a little shocking, just in terms of the fact that, you know, uh, there's such a big need at linebacker. Patrick Queen, a home state guy, was there on the board. Uh, Kenneth Murray had just gone off the the pick right before, but Jordan Love was still on the board too. And a lot of people connected the Saints to Jordan Love. We all kind of knew that that wasn't necessarily going to be the case though, but uh, not a lot of people talking about Cesar Ruiz out there uh, being the the guy to the Saints. And I always anticipated him being off the board at 23 to the Patriots. Uh, But then when the Patriots traded back, that ended up keeping him on the board for the Saints at 24. So it was a bit of a shocker for people, but there's value there. And you can see the the path to the roster actually makes a lot of sense for him. 
Yeah, I agree with that, man. Because they, they needed some offensive line help, mm-hmm. so it, it made perfect sense. But I was trying to push Jordan Love there as the heir apparent to Drew Yeah, Williams. yeah. Yeah, it made perfect sense. And I mean, yes, they, they, there's absolutely a need there, particularly on the interior, as you mentioned. They got demolished there by the uh, those Vikings you mentioned earlier uh, during the playoffs in that wild card game. Uh, you know, shifting Everson Griffin and Linval Joseph to the inside was just a great game plan. And uh, the Saints weren't able to keep up with that type of athleticism on the interior. And Cesar Ruiz, who's extremely powerful, who's very quick and, and very smart, too, which is one of the things that the Saints have complimented so much about him. Uh, he's going to be a great addition for the Saints and a big, big boost in that interior offensive line where they really needed that help. Uh, where do you think Ruiz is going to play? Because I know you had drafted what, McCoy last year out of Texas. Mm-hmm. So is, is he going to play center or guard? What, what anything you you hearing so far? Yeah, it's an interesting thing because uh, Eric McCoy came in last year and took over as the starting center and did very, very well. Played there in place of Max Unger, so he had some big-time shoes to fill at that position. Uh, But he did it very, very well. But the thing about it is that the Saints aren't married to the idea of McCoy at center. They're interested and perfectly willing, and they've made it publicly known that they're perfectly willing to shift him over to guard, which is kind of putting Larry Warford on a uh, also very public hot seat, which is a little different than what we're used to seeing from the Saints organization, which is usually very sort of close to the vest, not very public about those kinds of things. But they're outwardly talking about Larry Warford's got to compete. So if you see that they're wanting Larry Warford to compete, you look at the fact that Eric McCoy is somebody that they've that they've mentioned that they're comfortable shifting to guard. They're not married to him at center. That uh, leaves open the idea that Cesar Ruiz would shift into uh, to that center position and be that signal caller, which is, first of all, really, really great for him because he gets a year at least working with Drew Brees. So if he does have that football IQ that can, or with him having that football IQ, that continues to grow with him. And then you have somebody that's extremely smart at that center position after Drew Brees that can be that sort of Max Unger diagnosing coverages, identifying the mic, setting up the offensive line and sort of uh, sort of dictating what the defense is going to be doing to the rest of the offensive line. So you don't lose out on that that communication as long as Cesar Ruiz's football IQ translates the way that it has from college into the pros. Now we talk about your, your next pick, uh, Zach Bond, who I think we had him like, did we, did we draft him in our first round on our own product mm-hmm. draft? So Yeah, I think we had him going first round, man. He yeah. was, a, in my opinion, one of the top prospects. I thought he was going to go off the board a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. If it ain't going to third round, you're talking about value picks, which the draft is all about value. It's where you get guys at. So um, right. I, I thought this was a home run pick. I mean, I don't really know where like the Saints going to play him, but I mean, he's versatile. He can play really, I mean, edge on three, four, stand up, whatever, whatever you want to do, he probably can do it. So um, thoughts on thoughts on getting him at a, at a like kind of a steal because I thought he was first round draft pick. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I I know I I always saw Zach Bond as sort of this bottom of the first, top of the second round guy, and I, yeah, you know, and I I had my sort of concerns about him at that place. If a team was going to draft him specifically to come in and be an edge rusher, six foot two, two thirty seven, he's going to get bullied by offensive linemen playing off the edge, unless it's in a 3-4 defense. But when you're playing in a majority 4-3 or 4-2-5, like with the Saints play, and you're expected to sit there and put your hand in the dirt, you're going to get bowled over by some of those guys, <laughs> you know, especially in the NFC South, too, where they're continuing to load up on those offensive linemen to protect their quarterbacks. Some of the new commodities uh, in Teddy Bridgewater and uh, Tom Brady, of course. And so with all of that, you know, I was a little concerned about him being that high to the Saints at 24, because there was some talk about Zach Bond potentially being an option at 24 early, early on. And that was my one concern with him. But him coming in at 74 is a very, very different place. Very, very different position. Right. And so the Saints actually spent about an hour trying to trade up to get him. They started 
at different places within the top of the second round. They had started early, early that day, trying to trade up into the early second round to be able to grab him and fail after fail after fail in terms of trying to do that. But he also continued to tumble. And then finally, they end up being able to get this trade done with, I believe it was Cleveland, they get up to 74. They give up a future third, which doesn't really matter to them because well, first of all, they've never cared about future picks. As long as there's an NFL next season, the Saints will trade future picks. They have no problem with that. Uh, but they do have a compensatory third rounder that's expected because of the Teddy Bridgewater signing uh, in Carolina. And so, you know, they didn't have to give up a lot to go and get him. And their plan with him actually isn't to use him that much as an edge rusher. They want to play him at Sam Micro Will. Like they want to use him in that 4 3 off ball linebacker type of, of role and get him involved in coverage because he did grade very well. If you look at the analytics sites, he didn't really drop back into coverage a ton, 195 snaps in coverage. He spent a lot of time uh, being one of those guys that was just coming off the edge, a stand-up defensive uh, defensive lineman, a stand-up pass rusher. Uh, but he graded very well in coverage. They really worked on him, uh, worked with him on it at the Senior Bowl in particular, and they liked it. They liked what he showed, and so they want to bring him in and then get him transitioned a little bit to that 4-3 off-ball linebacker, which he seems pretty excited about as well. And before we move on, um, Rashad, our boy finally found a home. He found it in New Orleans. Jabu is with the Saints. Uh Let's go. <laughs> Let's go, y'all. I'm so I'm so pumped about that. We, we were saying this all the time. We was like, man, somebody's going to get a steal because he'd rather be a starter. And I, I, we were saying uh, Pittsburgh would be a great place behind Big Ben. Yeah. Uh, Saints would be a good one behind Breeze. And any, <laughs> any old quarterback that had one, James is right there for the taking for nothing. And yeah. It's only for a million dollars. Yo, for real, for real. One point one million. He's making less this entire year than he made per week on his fifth year option at, at Tampa Bay. Saints Saints playing chess right now. <laughs> I mean, Taysom Hill is making way more than James. Way more. He got sixteen guaranteed. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, man. Uh, yep. Uh, so, all right. So let, let's let's go to our um, the move into who we think. Combining with the draft, also with the offseason, in a, to, a totality thing about who was the best, who was the best team so far. Obviously, it's on paper. They still have to go to camp, and whenever that happens, uh, whenever it opens up. But uh, Rashad, we start with you. Uh, who do you think? Who do you think this this, this offseason won, 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 won the offseason already? Uh, number one is I'm gonna be the dead horse just because everybody talks them up and then they let you down. But you gotta go Cleveland Browns, man. You gotta, <laughs> you gotta go Cleveland Browns. You know they did the Odell stuff last year. Everybody thought, oh, they're gonna win a division, things like that. And then now this year, they did. Yep. I have in the playoffs. I didn't have a Super Bowl, but that was some of the talk. And then now this year they're going flashy again. You already have Njoku, but you bring in Austin Hooper on a four-year deal worth forty-four, but guaranteed twenty-three million. So that's not a bad pickup because. I got to throw in the part about they add a new coach, Stefanski, and he prefers two wide receivers, two tight ends. So, you know, with having Odell and Jarvis, now you have Hooper and Njoku. So his system will be able to flourish. Also having Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Yep. So, you know, that kind of works with his style. Hopefully Baker can take that next step because I have him as my dynasty QB. I'm not trying to win three fantasy matchups this year. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to get to that fancy championship, man. So hopefully that works out. And then a second big addition was they stole uh, Conklin from Tennessee. I think he's uh, a three-year, $42 million, but I think it's guaranteed uh, $30 million. So that's huge for their O-line because Baker struggled with protection all year. And once you didn't trade for Trent Williams, 
you kind of had to go get something. So they got Conklin from Tennessee, who played a huge role with, you know, what they're doing with Tannehill and Derrick Henry last season. So I think that's a great pickup. Both of your O-line and a sneaky pickup that wouldn't make the headlines but could be key for Baker's development is Case Keenum because mm-hmm. he's already been under Stefanski. He knows the yep. play, you know, the play calling the ins and outs of his system, how he wants to run it. Um, so I think, you know, it's not a, it's a, it's a kind of cheap deal. It's more than what James is getting. I mean, he agreed to, <laughs> <laughs> he agreed to a three-year deal worth 18, but it's 10 million guaranteed. So that's for a backup QB. That's really not too bad. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's more about investing Baker's, on his rookie deal. So when you bring in Keenum for this kind of money, it all kind of bounces out. And you need somebody right. who can come in and teach Baker, you know, the the ins and outs of that system and things like that. So I think those three moves, I mean, they made some smaller moves, like, you know, Carl Joseph at safety and stuff like that. Uh, they got Andrew Billings, the D, D, uh, D tackle. So, you know, you got small moves like that. But I think that big three is what mainly uh, looks good for them. Then on the draft side, you got Jadrick Willis, Grant Del Pitt, the LSU Browns at this point. You got Greedy Williams, Landry Odell, now Del Pitt. So you got the L- yeah. LSU Browns up there. So and they, they got Jacob uh was super LSU. I mean they, the LSU Browns. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. There's something about that oh, oh there's something about that Ohio Louisiana pipeline. It does run both ways, but uh it, it is an interesting thing for sure. Yeah. I yeah, so uh, I I think I, I think the, yeah, I think the Browns uh are different one of the winners of the offseason. That that Conklin and that Willis like Willis uh move like people don't understand those two tackles. Kevin's a fan was struggling this whole time with Minnesota with no offensive line. Now he got two good ones already with uh, I think Zeitler in the middle, uh guard and you have uh Treader. like these these guys like Browns might be, might have a top five O line, like really, really quickly. Yeah, almost overnight because you yeah. a free a free I mean the rule is pretty much draft one, sign one, trade for one, and they they kind of almost did that, so it kind of works. Yeah. All right, Ross, what you got? Uh, I'm going to start off with somebody actually within the NFC South division. I'm not going to go with the Saints, though, of course. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, man. That offseason that they've had is just absolutely wild. Uh, even if you don't necessarily like Tampa Bay, perhaps maybe you don't like Tom Brady, uh, Tampa Bay, <laughs> I guess they're calling themselves now. It's just a wild, wild offseason. And it has been really across the NFC South sort of as a whole. But what they were able to do in terms of, you know, getting Bruce Arians, the quarterback that he did want to work with, because he didn't have a ton of patience for Jameis, unfortunately. Uh, So, you know, you get a guy that can potentially win him his uh, Super Bowl, right? Like in terms of what what Bruce Arians is thinking to get uh, to be able to get Rob, uh, Rob Gronkowski back paired up with uh, Tom Brady too. It's just, it's honestly a little ridiculous if I'm being completely honest. Uh, I'm not the biggest fan of who I think Rob Gronkowski is going to be in the 2020 season, right? We're not talking about the Rob Gronkowski of old. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But just in terms of having, you know, a veteran guy that has a rapport with Tom Brady that can uh, train up a guy like uh, OJ Howard and everything like that. Like there's still some value there in terms of that. I think that he's probably going to like keep his knees under him for maybe a couple of weeks at most, but you know, still it's a pretty good move for them. And then to be able to walk away in this draft with Tristan worse, where they were able to get him, they had to move up a pick in order to do it, but it didn't cost them anything too crazy uh, to do that. And uh, some of the other guys they added, they added them really, really late, but the wide receiver, Tyler Johnson out of Minnesota, 
to add him along with uh, Mike Evans as well as uh, Chris Godwin. That's just that's a hell of a receiving core and a lot of options for uh, for Tom Brady there. And, you know, then they get their running back there as well and everything. So they've done a really, really good job in terms of what they've been able to do uh, this offseason. I'm still a little concerned about that secondary. They got a lot of work to do with that secondary, particularly in the NFC South. But but I do like what they've done so far in terms of uh, getting Bruce Arians a little bit closer to his time. I will also say uh, about the secondary, they did find their honey badger in the draft, Antoine Winfield Jr. Uh, for Todd Bowles. So, you know, maybe that pairing right there together could do a little damage. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No, that's a great point. That's a great point. Yeah, he was a fantastic addition for them, too. And somebody else that could have gone much earlier in the draft. We talking about Zach Bond being somebody that could have gone earlier and then they ended up picking up late. Like a couple of these NFC South teams found found some pretty good wins. And I would say they were a good bit of steals steals uh throughout the draft and this one for sure yeah 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 um yeah one, th- one thing about the nfc south real quick man one thing about the nfc south you do need secondary because yeah. everybody has at least two elite receivers so you got to stop somebody that's right that's right that's such a big part of it and that was one of the things that like at the beginning when it was just free agency i felt really good about where the saints were because the saints were the only ones in the division with a secondary uh you know uh so one that could sometimes be problematic but at least they had a secondary in place now you're starting to see other teams get their pieces together and everything because even you know uh uh, uh carolina going out there and getting jeremy chin in their uh in their draft is still a huge yeah. addition and just a huge upgrade from eric reed as much as i like eric reed and respect everything that he does uh on and off the field jeremy chin's a humongous upgrade there and uh that's somebody that i'm really excited to see too but yeah you're right man that secondary is a big part of it in tampa bay got a piece but they still have a little bit of work to do there and the saints went out and got jenkins and you had the sanders on the offensive side of the ball so they're they're yep. making improvements on both sides to compete offensively and defensively yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's a fun division. I'm going to go with uh, the L.A. Chargers. So I was oh, that's a good pick. I was sitting there thinking about who who do their team remind me of? And when you kind of think about it, if Justin Herbert is – okay, I'm not a big Justin Herbert fan, but if he is the guy, let's say he's just solid. He's a solid quarterback on the rise, right? Mm-hmm. When we look at his defense, we're talking about the Seattle scheme. So, this is this is Michael Bennett, Cliff Avery. You had Bosa and Ingram, uh, Bobby Wagner. They traded up for their kid, for, for their Bobby Wagner and Kenneth Murray. You got Derwin James, and you have uh, Nasir Adderley, who is their Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor. Then on top of that, you have you know, they had Sherman, the uh, Sherman and um, who was the other guy, uh, Browner. I think it's Brandon Browner or something like that. But you got Chris Harris Jr. You got Desmond Keene, and you got. Um, Oh, uh, Hayward. Hayward. Casey Hayward. Hayward. Yeah, so yeah. You're talking about a loaded team on defense. They finally got their their quarterback on the defense in Kenneth Murray, who can who can serve that side. Like this this team on defense is just it's a stack. Now, yes, they traded a second and a third to move up in the first, but I mean that 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 defense is now whole. Like you got a linebacker now, right. now it is whole, and you, and you brought right. live on Joseph from the Vikings, who can be that run stopper. So you, you got a guy who, who can command the double teams in the middle. With Bosa and Ingram, who are at least top fifteen pass versus Bosa, probably top five. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. now you have everything you need on defense. So you play, you play in the Chiefs. Uh, you have to, you have to deal with the up and coming uh, Raiders with their off- offense they had this uh, off season, as well as the Denver Broncos. So yeah. you have to be able to stop somebody, and obviously the first team to stop is the Chiefs. And then the offense. Right. I mean, they went. That you can saw. They kind of saw. Uh, Kind of complement their their free agency by went defense free agency drafting offense. They got KJ Hill from Ohio State, 
Uh, they drafted another receiver earlier with Justin Herbert, got a running back from UCLA, Josh Kelly. So they 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 went they did everything you're supposed to do as far as how to build this team and and even with Tyrod Taylor, who I think you know is a solid QB and can get you nine to ten wins, especially with this roster. Mm-hmm. Like this this Chargers team really they they really could be in the Super Bowl next year and it wouldn't shock me. Right. I got to tell you, man, Josh Kelly is one of my favorite pickups in their draft. I think Josh Kelly is somebody that a lot of people have slept on. That is somebody that people don't talk about enough. And the thing about it they is don't that watch like, the Pat Ten, man. Well, man, and nobody, no, yeah, nobody watches the Pat Ten. You're absolutely right. But like, it's it's so dope. It's so dope that he gets to stay home. First of all, that's just awesome because yeah. he's coming out of UCLA and everything. That's pretty dope. But then also, like, this is a guy that isn't this, you know, the flashiest running back. He's not going to be their Melvin Gordon. But I think he can be more than what Melvin Gordon was because he's a he he's somebody that can run out of the backfield. He's somebody that can catch out of the backfield, and he's a fantastic pass blocker and just a wholesome dude. Like I don't know if y'all have heard any interviews or anything with him, but if you get the chance, like check out an interview with Josh Kelly and then just be ready to like be ready to finish listening and then go and do a good deed. Like that's who Josh <laughs> Kelly is. Like it's an incredible thing, man. I, I I love that dude, and I'm so glad that he got selected at a place where he gets to stay home and do like that. I, I'm excited for him. Yeah, that chart is man. That's that's a good one. Um, mm-hmm. Like you like you said, their whole thing is competing with Kansas City. And when you have Mahomes and all those weapons, you gotta slow it down some kind of way. So by building your defense and having Tyrod, who won't he won't lose your games, right? You know, so you know, and like you said, Herbert. I'm not sure if he's the guy either. I mean, I don't know. What 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 else? What else could they right. do? What else could they do at this point? You know, they they let Rivers go. They could have probably brought Rivers back for one more year. Um, but if you think Herbert's the guy, you got to roll with it. He has the same thing, the Pac-12 ties. You know, he's used to playing in that California area. So hopefully mm-hmm. it works out for him. Yeah. But uh, I'm going to go to my second team, man. I'm going to the AFC South. And I just mentioned this guy's name, Phillip Rivers. I'm going with the, the Colts. I'm going with the Colts. Um, the Buckner trade, I like that move. Mm-hmm. You know, they're building their D line up slowly, um, kind of under the radar. You got Buckner now. You have uh, Sheldon Day, Stewart, Oshry. So you have a pretty sneaky uh, defensive line. And you kind of pair that with Darius Leonard. They improved the secondary some. They added Kev's guy. He, he's kind of washed, but Rose is still a veteran corner. You hey. know, so you can, you know, <laughs> yeah, you know, for for one year, five million dollars, you really can't beat that. I mean, right. you you got Rivers there, one year, twenty five million. So you got your a vet QB who can make some things happen. You no, know, he, you know, I think he, you know, he hasn't won a Super Bowl. I think Rivers has a winning pedigree. Um, so hopefully this year he can kind of make a playoff push. I think with what they've done, they could probably get nine or ten wins, maybe win a division. But Rivers for one year, $25 million. Um, Like I said, Xavier Rose, the Buckner trade, Sheldon Day on the defensive line. Um, they got, a, what's his name on the O-line? Costanzo, Anthony Costanzo. Yep. That was a good, good ad. So I like what they did for agency-wise. Then when it comes to the draft, you got your another receiver to pair with the always injured T.Y. Hilton. I mean, you're hoping, <laughs> you're hoping Paris Campbell takes a step, they but they got to. Michael. Uh, right. Yeah. So you got Michael Pittman Jr. from USC. Man, so I think good. that'll be a, Patriot yeah, I think that'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that'll be really good for Rivers because, uh, you know, he likes to air it out. And I think Pittman can go get some of those deep balls. So I like that. 
You already have Marlon Mack. You know, you got your one-two punch for Jonathan Taylor. Uh, they got Julian Blackman out of Utah for the, for the secondary. Mm-hmm. And then one of my favorite picks, Jacob Eason, fourth round. So, yeah. you know, he can learn from Rivers. He can learn from Rivers and Jacoby on how to be a pro because Eason only has really – one true year of tape recently because his first year at Georgia was, you know, he's a freshman, wasn't the greatest year, got hurt, from beat him out. Now you have to wait and transfer. You transfer, you have a pretty good year. Big arm, can make all the throws. I think if he sits for two years by his third year, similar to, I'm not saying going to beat Aaron Rodgers, but if you sit for two right. years like Rodgers did with your arm and his talent, he could potentially be the heir apparent. And, uh, I think the Colts have a pretty good roster. They made some good moves on both sides and draft day and Fracy wise. So they could be a, a contender in the AFC this year. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good pick, man. I, I like that Jonathan Taylor pick in particular. I'm, I'm excited to see him in the league. I'm hoping that the wear and tear and everything at Wisconsin doesn't like doesn't, you know, cost him anything in uh in, in the pros. But with this offseason being the way that it is, he gets a lot of rest up time before he hits like actual physical contact and everything. So, uh, but I'm excited to see him there and uh, and what that means for that that running back group too. Because you, know, you mentioned the dynamic duo between him and uh, and Marlon Mack. It's Marlon Mack is somebody that can catch out of the backfield and everything. You know, me coming from New Orleans and watching Alvin Kamara and uh, Mark Ingram for two years, like having that type of one-two punch can really, really be something you take advantage of and that can elevate you. And, you know, are they going to be that? I can't say that, but, you know, uh, just having that type of dynamic duo right there is is just invaluable. And I love Julian Blackman, too, just entirely, just incredibly versatile in the backfield uh, in, in the secondary, can play anywhere you want him to. Like, that's a fantastic thing. And a special teamer, too, which is always important. Um, and so I, I really like their draft. Hashtag Pac-12. Man, we can't have a whole lot of love. I know, man. right? We sure are. It's about at least somebody doing it that ain't their mama. Yeah, somebody. <laughs> uh, I'll jump to uh, I'll jump to a division mate for the very first one we talked about. We talked about the Cleveland Browns. I'm going to talk a little bit about the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, Baltimore Ravens were a fantastic team last year, all together. Uh, Lamar Jackson, a well-deserved MVP award. Uh, just a uh, just you know, until they until they stumbled against the Titans inexplicably in the playoffs, uh, they were pretty incredible all season. I was just talking about uh, uh, Mark Ingram and everything and what he's been able to do there. Big trust, uh, get that run game popping over there. <laughs> uh, and so I, I, I like them already coming into this season as a team that you know was going to be a team that could repeat its success. But then they go out there and then they make a trade to add uh, Calais Campbell for peanuts, uh, and then they ship off Hayden Hurst. And then get, you know, what was a second round pick back from Atlanta for that, that they turned into more, you know, and so, <laughs> yeah, it, they, they were just really working the, that, that, that sort of newcomer or working that, uh, that free agent market, uh, that free agent trade market really, really well. And then for the most part, they really just focused on re-signing their guys and keeping their team together, which when you're doing, you know, when you have a, a team that is already successful, that becomes a big part of the focus of your offseason is just maintaining the communication and maintaining the familiarity of the guys that you already have in the facility. And they did a really good job at that, adding a piece like Calais Campbell, getting a, you know, a, a great piece back for Hayden Hurst. And then they end up drafting guys. They basically drafted everybody that I liked in the, in the, uh, in this draft, which was kind of wild. Like I was sitting there and I was watching and I was like, Oh, this person's still on the board. Here comes Baltimore. And they would take them. They drafted Patrick queen. 
You know, so they add Patrick Queen. He he gets to go exactly where he wanted to go. He wanted to end up in Baltimore, and so he was really glad to end up there. He now gets to be the next linebacker in a long lineage of fantastic linebacker play uh, in a Baltimore Ravens uniform. He gets to stay in the purple, too, which I think matches his aesthetic. And then they add J.K. Dobbins there, which does a little bit of what we were just talking about with creating a dynamic Steel. duo, right? Yeah, absolutely. What did they get at 55 in the draft? This wild wild to be able to get him at that point and then to be able to add him with mark ingram as if this offense needed more weapons they added him with mark ingram uh and i think eventually it'll be a, a similar situation to what you saw in new orleans where they'll operate in tandem for a little while and then eventually jk dobbins will probably become the head guy there but just a fantastic uh uh just I guess outlook in terms of what it is that they wanted to create. Then they picked up two fantastic uh, defensive tackles too, shoring up the interior defensive line with Justin Matabuke out of Texas A&M, and then also grabbing Broderick Washington, who I thought was one of my sleepers at that position. So they continue to add to the defense. They add uh, Malcolm ha Malik Harrison, excuse me, out of Ohio State, who's just a downhill thumper. Like he'll mess you up. Another steal. Yeah, he and they, they they got him at 98. So they got him just just before the top 100 went out. Like he's he was somebody that I often saw second, third round as somebody that, you know, would end up going there or early, early third round at the latest. Um, but one of the picks that I like a ton for this team is that they continue to address and add receiving options for Lamar Jackson and uh, getting Devin Duvernay. That just run after catch ability. He can play inside and out. He's got a little bit of contested catch in him as well. He's he's just a rude dude out on the field. And uh, I like that a lot for that team and to be able to complement those wide receivers that they do have, particularly Hollywood Brown, who's a burner. And then you have that arm strength with Lamar Jackson. And now you give him another downfield target that can also take a slant and turn it upfield you know, and, and, and producing the run after catch game. And then they get a shorthanded guy in James Prochet out of SMU. They could be a little bit more of that possession guy that can play X, that can play, you know, in the, in the slot as well. And so I really like their draft, man, in particular. And I just love the fact that their focus was let's keep the in-house guys here, maintain the success that we've already established for ourselves and then add young pieces to this core. And they did a really great job of that. You know, uh, you mentioned the receivers. I, I thought how, how great they were not to like, address receiver early because you know, mm -hmm. I think it's not fair for a guy like Lamar Jackson or any any quarterback of that nature to like not have the weapons. We look at Sam Darnold, Jets I mean, come on, help 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 the brother. Right. Uh, Baker Mayfield got all the tools in the world. Uh, <laughs> Josh Allen now has Stephon Diggs. Uh they got a running mm -hmm. back in the draft, another Pac twelve guy, uh Moss. So it's mm -hmm. um like and you, you want to see Lamar Jackson, yes he has Andrews and Hollywood Brown, but you like as far as passing, like what what else we do we have? Ho, 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 ho. You know, as different as everything seems this holiday season, one thing still holds true year after year. Everybody loves holiday scratch-offs from the Ohio Lottery. And with tickets available from $1 to $20, they're the perfect gift for anyone on your list 18 years or older. So stay safe this year and play it safe with your gift giving. Give scratch-offs from the ho, 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 Ohio Lottery. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Please play responsibly. Yeah, right. You you love you like love to see the Ravens not not go early in the, in the round, go get a, a T Higgins, but wait and get these receivers been on the back end and build yep. a team everywhere else. And now because you still you still a run first team, so you don't need elite receivers, but you need receivers who can get open and and, and make plays. 
Yeah, and Devin Ubernay is a fantastic example of that, somebody that gives you, you know, I, I would say safely 70%, 80% of what maybe a tier two guy might have given you. I'm not talking about like the top guys that all that were like, you know, the top three or anything like that, but he gives you around 70, 80% of maybe some of those tier two, tier three guys and is fantastic at creating separation and he's going to give Lamar Jackson those windows to throw to. There was no reason to attack this position early for them. They knew exactly the type of receiver that they wanted and they were able to get one of each honestly. And then also continue to add to their offensive line, too, because they got an absolute mauler in Ben Bredesen. Yeah, they needed, well. they needed Beyond to retire. They needed, yeah, they needed that. <laughs> you draft two guards, I hope one be good. That's it. <laughs> um, my, my last team would be another team that took a quarterback, uh, the Miami Dolphins. Um, yeah. I, I think the AFC East as a whole um, did pretty good. Um, but to me, the Dolphins, when you have so many picks, I mean, it's, it's hard not to at least on paper, be be terrible at the draft. Mm -hmm. um, I I think this whole time we'll talk about the draft process. Do the Chargers and, and and the Dolphins do they have to trade up to get these guys? And I kept saying you don't have to because who else is going to come up and get these quarterbacks? So right. I think getting two at five instead of three is, is I mean, it's, as far as value, I mean, it's great because why yeah. trade up and, and waste other assets to get a guy you can get at five? Uh, I know we was talking about like we we wanted Herbert to go to Miami. And two to go to Chargers because, like, we really had two in, with the LA Chargers. <laughs> but uh, I was like, "There's no way, Miami, there's no way Miami passed up on them," um, and, and they didn't. So I thought, I thought getting two was was great. Um, but Austin Jackson, who you know, I had a couple of ta tackles and ranked higher than him, but you did fit the need, and you know, for this game, he he might be the better option. Anyway, um, and then at the end of the round, they got a corner, which you add to Byron Jones, you add, you add to Xavier Howard. I mean, this the third corner is going to be great, and he's a first-round draft pick. So I'm I'm going to try to pronounce his name, but if I get it wrong, it's all good. So uh, Noah, it's all good. <laughs> Benefo, I'm, I'm <laughs> close enough, close enough. He knows what I'm talking about. Um, but he, he knows that he's from Auburn, so he he played a lot, a lot of elite receivers, and he's not going to have that um, that role to be. You have to shut down the best guy. You don't have to. Last year you did in college. This year you get the third best guy, so I think that's that's pretty good. Um, and then as as the draft got deeper, they start you started seeing like good picks down the line. And like I said, with all these picks, they traded up, traded down, uh, traded back in the, in the first round uh, to add more pieces. And the who package traded up to, to get Jordan Love, they crazy. But anyway, you know, yeah. Can we, but, talk, can we talk for a second about the worst draft? In the it was NFL? crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to say I'm, I'm right there with you on that one. <laughs> but but to, to get to get Weaver, who early in the process was supposed to be a, a yeah. first second round guy, get him later on. Got Roquan Davis. That D line with the Calvin Noise and, and and the Lawsons, like these, they coming for the quarterback. Like this defense, yeah. this defense can go from the bottom to the top, and just like Chargers, like it can go real fast. Like I can see the Dolphins. I, I wouldn't say when the division not go that far, but if, if they made a wild card, I wouldn't be shocked at all. Yeah, they'll challenge. Yeah. Should. They'll challenge. That's for sure. But you're on the rise for sure. If you want to talk about the worst, <laughs> bro. Okay, can we just talk? I, I, here's my whole thing. Um, my man Aaron Rodgers goes on the Pat McAfee show and says, "You know, I mean, you know, we don't really take that many skill position guys. So, you know, it'd be cool if they had a couple of skill position guys in the and they're Dang, we're not try." Yeah, there you go. My bad. Uh, they just kind of left him out to dry like that, man. Like that was just wild. It was just crazy. If the first day, okay, you's already, you already they already shocked us with the Jordan Love situation. So you right. Said, okay, 
day two, sec, two, second round, third round, it's fine. It's fine. Nobody. Then to go through four, five, six, and seven, it's still getting – I mean, I just I, – I, I, I see where they're going. I see what they're trying to do, and I'm glad they're trying to do this, which is ride Rodgers and get him out of here and let's go Jordan Love. As a Viking fan, I love that. Get Aaron Rodgers out of here. That's, that's, that's the best thing to do. You know, uh, but, you know, they, they went offensive line. They want to go running back heavy with with uh, with um, Aaron Jones. And they got Dylan. And I think it's kind of like they want to be the 49ers so bad. Like, <laughs> Matt LaFleur want to be couch. Yeah. Yeah. Matt LaFleur, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, because he, he, he drafted a fullback early. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just so Josiah, uh, Josiah DeGuara. That's the dude that I was like, yeah, y'all just drafted Jay Sternberger a second time. Yeah, that's some that's some Kyle, that's some Kyle Shanahan stuff right there. I don't know. I just, <laughs> yeah, Matt Lafleur playing uh, copycat. <laughs> Hopefully it worked. I mean, because you got you know, like you said, man, they 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 want yeah, they want to keep uh, keep running the ball. So I guess they're thinking if we get some running backs and a fullback, we can keep the ball away from the 49ers if we play them again. <laughs> I was about to say, man, you can be, you can be the 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 Rockets of the NBA where you building your team only for one team, and they gonna mess around and lose somebody else. That's what the Packers gonna do. <laughs> it happens all the time, man. You try to build for one team, but that team <laughs> you won't even get to play them because you be already out by the, by the time you get a chance to play. You already knocked out. So, I mean, it, it could happen, but yeah, Green Bay was definitely surprising. Yeah. Uh, is there anybody else in the draft that you thought, uh, aside from teams, but like value? You'd be like, man, that's a good, you know, that's a good pick right there. Or, or kind of like, okay, he supposed to go second round. He don't fail to the fourth, and this team got a good steal because you know it's like where where you go really, really, really depicts like how great your career is going to be. Like what, like if you're talking mm-hmm. about like Sam Darnold, he don't have the the weapons that Baker Mayfield has. Who knows if you swap them? How great Sam Donner could be. So, it's right. kind of, so, so. With that being said, is there any players that you felt in this draft, like man, where he going? He gonna be something special. Yeah, there's a pair of safeties actually uh, that really stood out to me, and we've we've mentioned both of them before, but I'd love to talk about them a little bit more in depth. Uh, first of which being Grant Delpit out of LSU. He's somebody that you know was uh, he was a like mid first round guy at the beginning of the 2019 season, and then just had. Kind of, a, I mean, he did not have a great 2019. Like, that's just the truth. Like, his tape was bad. He was dealing with injuries and everything as well. And he was also playing with a team that, you know, was holding five touchdown leads all season. So, you know, that defense wasn't out there trying for at least a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Uh, <laughs> and everything. And so, uh, so you know, you saw bangle. Him, that's it, man. So you saw him drop, you know, and uh, you know, as somebody that has – Watch him, you know, every year that he was with LSU and all. You can look back at 2018 tape and you can find it, but you can't ignore what you saw on film in 2019. You just can't do that. So it made it wasn't surprising to me that he fell out of the first round. It was a little surprising to me that there were no safeties taken in the first round because I thought at least maybe Xavier McKinney might pop into the first, particularly for uh, particularly for uh, Miami, who actually went with what was this called? Noah I. Noah, uh, Noah I didn't know. <laughs> 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 I think uh, <laughs> But, you know, he, so he was somebody that fell out. And then he goes to a team in the Cleveland Browns that can absolutely use what he does and who he is. Like he's somebody that can play in the box, but that can also be a deep safety. Uh, they get him back there in a, in a familiar situation playing beside Greedy Williams. Like Rashad mentioned earlier, like it's just, it, it's, it's a pretty, it's a nice situation 
you know, for him to end up in. And I think that if there was any team that he was going to end up with outside of the first round, I really like the fit for where he landed with, uh, with, uh, with Cleveland because it just puts them in a situation to where they're going to play a similar defensive style of ball than what LSU was playing in 2018 to where they're going to utilize him as somebody that can play all over the, the secondary play, you know, have that positional versatility and play all over the place. And then just kind of let him go out there and play his game. And that's what he needs. And to be able to do it in a familiar circumstance where he's got a Jacob Phillips, he's got OBJ, he's got juice. Like he's got all these people that are going to have his back. It's, it's, it's pretty dope. Like it's pretty dope. Um, the other safety that I'll mention uh, is, um, is uh, Jeremy uh, Jeremy Chin, uh, him going to to uh, to Carolina and playing in that Matt Rule defense is going to be a lot of fun to see him there. Uh, you know, they Carolina has been in need of secondary help for some time and everything, and so to be <laughs> and so to be able to get a guy that there that can essentially serve two purposes for you because you needed a boost in your secondary, but you also lost Luke Keekley, who was a fantastic communicator. Jeremy Chin's not going to be your Luke Keekley 100%, but he does serve a little bit of that role as being a very good communicator, a very smart player out on the field. So he kind of covers a little bit of both of those. And hell, if you need him to step into the box and play down in the front seven, he can do that too. You know what I'm saying? And so I like that. And then one other player that I'll mention who didn't drop, but as somebody that I was excited to see where he was going to go, and I heard a little bit about it happening the morning of, but I wasn't sure that it was really going to happen. But Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, going 32 overall in the first round, being running back one to the Kansas City Chiefs. That's a fantastic fit for that team and that player. I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that unless we want to discuss it more, but he's somebody I'm very excited about. I'll tell you, I'll tell you this. So when we did that, you know, the the, the mock draft uh, with MTNV, mm -hmm. remember the Chief, uh, what was his name, uh, Will? Uh, Will, yeah, yeah. He, he had to get a corner uh, there, but remember we talked about the running back, and, you know, right. they, they kind of like, oh, we ain't getting a running back. We ain't get, I was like... <laughs> I'm trying to tell you, Clyde, you know, Clyde the Glide, baby. You know, but I mean, it's like it's like Patrick Mahomes. He just he's getting blessed with all this talent around him. He man, elite. He don't need it, and he's he's just getting man. It. The blessings just keep coming. Too many weapons. Too many. He got too many. You're right. You're right. All right. Uh, Rashad, you got any players that 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 for the same question? Yeah, I was just looking up to see what pick you went. I knew it was third round. But I wanted the exact pick. Uh, Josh Jones to the Arizona Cardinals, man, because he was graded by some people as a potential first-round offensive tackle, yep. and that was a need for the Cardinals. So um, I went and looked it up, and he was picked 72, man. The third round, that is a, that's a freaking steal for man. a need that you have. That's a, yeah. That is a steal. I think, it, yeah. I think in our mock draft, we had, we, we had our draft game and everything, and we were, you know, first round. We were throwing out Josh Jones' name, and – this dude went going off the board. Like we gotta, we gotta go ahead and abort mission on him because we, we losing money and messing with him. Man, he he lives in so that Mel Kiper's third round, man. Yeah, yeah, that's wild. He lived in that Mel Kiper's best player available, best best players available list for like a round, yo. Like he was there for a day. That's crazy because yeah, we we had Josh. I, I had um Josh Jones going to like I was like, well, if Minnesota don't go receiver corner, we might take a tackle. Josh Jones, mm -hmm. like, we traded down, like, dang, we might get Josh Jones. No? All right. Josh Jones here? Nope. Yeah. Damn. What, what, what <laughs> you know, so, yeah, that, that, was, that was unbelievable uh, for the Cardinals because I think he can be an instant starter right away. And for a guy that most people tagged as the first-round guy, I mean, you, you, can't, you can't go wrong with that. Mm -hmm. Hearing that with Isaiah Simmons and get drafted. Yeah, I got one more, too. Oh, and Isaiah Simmons. Oh, my goodness. 
Oh yeah, man. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I got one too. Uh AF and going to the Bills, man. That was sneaky. Oh, good choice. That's a good pick. Yeah, yeah. He definitely shouldn't have been there. He's another guy. Hey. Because like he right. was he was great at yeah, he he was great at towards the end of the first round too. He went almost back into the second, you know, think pick 54, 55. So the Bills getting AJ was pretty big too. Yeah. Um this this is more of a, a hindsight view. Uh, on, I want to talk about like the Jets real quick. I think they had a great draft when you talk about uh, the first that they fit all their needs. Now, whether you think mm-hmm. that player is is good enough, okay, that we we can talk about that. But sure. they, they got Makai Becton uh, at eleven, and then I think at pick fifty nine, you got Denzel Mims. Now, hindsight view, Rashad, you just mentioned your your steal, Josh Jones. Do you think they should have flipped this now? You don't know how the draft is going to operate, but do you think they should have got the big one of the big three receivers, Ruggs, Judy, or Lamb, and then took a Josh Jones at fifty nine, or or do you like? I mean, because like to me, when you say those names before the NFL season, you say, man, the Jets really messed up. They could have got one of these guys and still got Josh Jones, but like you said, you don't know how you don't know how the draft is going to shake out, and it just so happened that Josh Jones did fall. So in the hindsight view, which which side would y'all rather have? What they actually did, or, or the potential, what it could have been. Uh, go ahead, go ahead first. Oh, I'm curious to hear what you got to say, and then I'll come through. <laughs> yeah, just not knowing how it's gonna shake out. I can't kill the Jets. I can't kill them because you don't know how it's gonna shake out. Yeah, I, I agree. For me, this was the right way to go because to me, the drop off between those top wide receivers to the like tier two, tier three wide receivers is uh, a much lesser drop off than the drop off from those top tight. I'm sorry, top offensive tackles. You know, those top four guys that were up there to the next, the next tier. Not that Josh Jones is 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 bad, but or by any means, but simply that you know around pick 59, you knew that you were probably going to get you know uh you know we sort of expected a, a potential Brandon Ayuk to end up being there but he obviously went much earlier than anybody than, than most people expected but you know i mean you had a lot of those other wide receivers that were going to be there especially drafting uh near the you know near the top of that round or the, i'm sorry near the middle of that round and stuff and so there's a lot of those wide receivers that were there that felt like yeah they won't be that much of a drop off so let's go ahead as much of a drop off as like tackle to tackle would be from that round from first round to second round and so I think that's that's one of my reasons why I would say, yeah, grab your top tackle. Keep you can go ahead and draft all the receivers you want, but if they don't have that quarterback doesn't have an offensive line in front of him, you know what I'm saying? He, they they ain't getting the ball. So let's settle the offensive Protect line the and we'll add the weapon. That's right. Yeah. And then we'll we'll add the the weapons after that. And they did a great job with Denzel Mims. Oh, yeah. Who I thought was gonna go to Cincinnati at the top of the second. I thought that was gonna be that was gonna be him. And they, apparently they were between yeah. him and Higgins. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I guess they kind of got the same kind of guy, size and speed with, uh, with yeah. Higgins. So, yeah, yeah. I, I just thought the Jets draft was interesting because, you know, they got Bryce Hall later on, too. He failed because, of, you know, probably mostly the injuries. Injuries, I, I, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's why we're going to have a lot of quote-unquote steals in this draft because this is a different process. We never had the virtual draft. We never had when guys don't have the pro days and, and know the medical uh, scouts and stuff like that. So you couldn't really mm-hmm. dive into the injuries and how they're doing. So I think I think that's why like you you see all these value picks you know anybody with an injury history uh, went later on down the line um, even 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 though for my Vikings Jeff Gladney like he had the knee injury after the combine I mean the surgery after the uh, the combine and I'm not saying he failed but you know Vikings were able to trade back and still you know and still get him so it's still kind got of, him yeah you know, and the two corners went who I didn't think Arnett with the Raiders and 
Noah, Hakabadubadu. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, so, don't forget, don't forget AJ, AJ Terrell. AJ Terrell went mad early, yeah, too. Yeah, so those three yeah. guys I didn't even have before Gladney on my board. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so maybe the injury has something to do with it. You, you never know. Uh, yep. I, I also, I would kind of, I know it's kind of like uh, a homer hit, but I think the receivers in this class, the had like they they were, they were big steals like Judy going at fifteen, Lamb going at eighteen, yeah. and even Jefferson going to twenty two. Like these are guys that for those teams should not have been on the board. There is no way right. Judy should have failed to fifteen. Um, I I did have Russ going as my first receiver. I thought, but I thought maybe the 49ers or 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 even the um or even the Jets possibly. You know, they, they mm-hmm. had the option to. Um, but Lamb going to Dallas, that's not fair. Uh, and he wearing number eighty eight. So Jerry Jones already dubbed him. Man, <laughs> man, he made him take that number too, because uh, Lamb was like, "I want 10. and Jones said, "Nope, you get eighty-eight." Eighty-eight don't even look right in the Lamb. I, I don't. He, I'm he don't even look right because eighty-eight really like a power guy, like a power receiver to me. Right. I mean, but it's a big body dude. Irvin and, and Des Bryant come to mind right away. Trying to get those jersey sales, man. Make make eighty-eight relevant again. I guess that's his hashtag. Um, but yeah, that one and, and Jefferson at twenty-two, Vikings should not, never had. They shouldn't. They shouldn't have got him. There's no way they should have had him at twenty-two. They shouldn't have. They shouldn't have found their replacement for Diggs at twenty-two. Man. Jefferson. Like if it was like Denzel Mims, you'd be like, ah, uh, maybe. You know, it's possible. Any other receiver right. besides the the top four, you wouldn't say, oh, that's a that's a you know steal for the Vikings, a replacement for Diggs. But getting them, I mean, shout out to the Eagles for taking Rieger. So. Um, but yeah, right. the, I think I think receivers falling a little bit was was definitely a steal. Yeah, and I think that that Justin Jefferson one in particular, like that's something that man, Philly's uh, Philly might not regret it because they get their guy that they want in, in Rager that can play on the outside. But they ended up doing it because of the fact that they didn't believe that Justin Jefferson can play on the outside, and he absolutely can. I mean, he didn't do it a ton, don't get me wrong, but when he did it, he was just as effective and just as productive as he was in the slot. And so I, I think that that's just a fantastic opportunity for Minnesota that I'm glad they didn't pass up to be like, uh-uh, he, he's still here, that's our guy. <laughs> um, we only got 10 minutes left. Uh, I kind of want to get your, your thoughts on the uh, on the last dance uh, so far and, and what we're looking for. Kamir Rashad, we, we talked about it, and we were saying, man, you know, first the first is all about Jordan. Then you had the Pippen story mixed with the Phil Jackson and then this Robin story. I, I think that's all great. And we, you know, the previews of I think Horace Grant and Harper story is coming up next. Mm-hmm. Um, so, do you like the way the, the direction that they're going as far as you know back and forth, jumping back and forth, and, and what are your takeaways so far? Yeah, I mean, I like the way that they're doing it so far because it is keeping it a little fresh that you're kind of jumping around a little bit. You're not just following the one story, everything. Because I know that when I first heard about it, it felt like it was always being marketed as just a Michael Jordan documentary. And we were just going to talk about Michael Jordan and his final season. And maybe it was going to be more input from these other guys. But I love the fact that it feels a little bit more episodic in terms of you actually being able to take in some information in terms of how this worked for everyone and the things that they did to make it work you know we were cracking jokes about scotty pippen before we hopped on about like man i'm just sad scotty never got his money at least from the bulls and everything and so you know it was just it, <laughs> it, it was an interesting thing to be able to get it that way and i like the fact that they've been bouncing around and, and getting it but you know uh my my main takeaway is just simply that like i mean i thought that we had drama in today's nba uh man that stuff is just wild uh but i'm loving it man i'm loving it and i'm loving the the glimpse into it i remember going to the imax when michael jordan's first imax movie came out i don't know if y'all remember that 
but uh, I, I remember going on a school field trip. It was like, you know, I went to school in the hood. We took one field trip. Every, every person got one field trip in their time at elementary school. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't one a year. We got one through K through five. And uh, they took us to go and see MJ. And uh, that was just a super dope thing to be able to like sit in there and, and, and watch all that. And now I'm sitting down and like watching actual like story about him at this point, which I care more about, of course, at this point in my life. And so it, it's really dope. Like I'm loving the narrative of it. And I mean, look, in the midst of this, you know, lockdown and quarantine and everything, it's, it's you know, it ended up being pretty well timed in terms of them uh, deciding to release it when they did. So I, I'm appreciative of that. That's for certain. Yeah, I mean, I have one thing. I'm just waiting on the part where Jerry Krause becomes the jerk because so yeah, far he's yeah. done everything right. <laughs> right. Like he, right. Like he's done everything right. You got Oakley out, brought in Cartwright. You state cool coach. You brought in, you know, you scouted Pippen. You scouted Horace Grant. You brought all these guys in. And Ron Harper was a, a 25 and 5 guy, was in Cleveland with the Clippers. Get him to the Bulls. Like, I'm just waiting on the part. I mean, you scouted Phil Jackson, had him on the coaching staff. You got Tex Winter. So far, man, Jerry Krause, he's 6 0, 7 0 in my book. I'm waiting to see the part where Jerry Krause becomes. The jerk, like I, I, I need, I need to see that because right now he is, I mean, he's he he likes right, man. He can't miss. That's for the married folks. <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. Oh, that's good. That's good. That's good. Yeah, I can't wait to see the Horace Grant story because, see, I am a a very adamant believer that they everybody want to say it. I can't, I can't agree with it that the Bulls would have won eight straight. I do not believe it because Horace Grant and Robin were so vital in those P, uh, in those yep. championship runs, and they were not on the team those two years when Jordan stepped away and came back. And I was like, I, I want to see the Horace Grant. I think they're going to portray him as like a little villain a little bit because where the preview is going because he wanted to shine and you know right. Right, Horace Grant was. I mean, he was a great player. I mean, obviously you you not you don't you're not in that same light when you're under Michael Jordan, um, and even and even Scottie Pippen. So. You know, and I think that, you know, when you look at all the 30 for 30s, like, you know, the Magic moment, the uh, Knicks versus Pacers, uh, even the Magic Celtics, like all that stuff are intertwined with this Bulls documentary. And you'd be like, man, I remember this right here. Horace Grant go to the, the Magic, and that's why the Bulls couldn't beat him. So it's kind of like uh, without Michael. But it's like kind of like um, I want to see Horace Grant and, and his story and Rashad missing the Ron Harper one. It's like, man, these guys were vital pieces. And I, I also want to see the Ku coach. Uh, story they have one where yeah. they they went to go get him from, you know uh, where he's from uh, Croatia Serbia, one of, one of yeah them, somewhere, uh, but the the dream team part where they was dogging Ku coach oh but come on come on play the Bulls though like <laughs> we hate you but come on come on to the Bulls so I, I want to see that part too. He went to rebuild they weren't having it man. <laughs> Kuko, hey they were they were shutting out Kuko they said you're not about to you're not Jordan and Pippen you're not about to beat us out here we're gonna show you some. But after this game, though, you need to come on to the Bulls so we can go three P. I thought that was pretty funny. Um, but yeah, Rashad, you're right about that that Krause thing. Like, as a GM, we have all the same philosophies, except except for the Phil Jackson part. Phil Jackson would stay. But everything else, man. See, and then another thing, I know that they they kind of skipped over the, the Scottie Pippen part, like him coming back to the team. Like they kind of like right. just, they kind of just got rid. Like they they led us into it as as a cliffhanger. And then starting uh, episode three, they just say, "Oh, Scott Pippen's back now." Okay, right. I guess you know. Cool. I would, I would see, I would have failed as a GM because I would have traded Scott Pippen as soon as he said uh, he want to go. 
Ja, ja, ja. Ja, let's go. Get out of here, man. <laughs> I don't know, man. You can't you can let Scotty go, man. But but Krause's alpha talent is crazy, man. Because even post, like even about like once they blew it up, he drafted Ron Artest, Tyson Chandler, uh, Jamal Crawford. He he had a uh, he he liked Trace McGrady a lot. So I mean, of course you got your misses with your Eddie Curry stuff like that. But 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 dude, yeah, uh, hiring like he missed with Eddie Curry and maybe a few others. But for the most part, Jerry Krause has a, a keen alpha talent. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm give him a pass with Eddie Curry because honestly, it was a lot of misses with the high, the high school guys. He drafted Elton Brand too. He had, at one point he had like four centers on the roster, like first first round picks. He he was, he, he was kind of was tripping a little. Yo, bit. he 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 was really stacking centers like the Bears <laughs> stack tight ends, man. Like it, hey, it was a lot. They got like <laughs> Copycat, Copycat City right there. <laughs> but yeah, that's yeah, that's kind of crazy. Yeah, they. You're right, Rashad, about that uh, when, when Cross is going to mess up part. And I, I just – the drama part you mentioned, Ross, is like, wow, like all this was going Bro. on. And it's crazy how social media would like – if you just pick the Bulls up and, and drop them today. Yo, imagine. Imagine. First of all, Jerry Cross probably Man. Right. Jerry Cross would have been fired. <laughs> Scotty Pippen probably would have gotten traded because he would have been on Twitter talking about how he wants out. Right. Like, he would have been Yannick and Gokwaying all the time. That's true. Day. Like, man, it would have been a while different. Like, it would have been mad different because nothing would have been behind closed doors. Nah. Nope. And then, I mean, the only people that you would have – Michael Jordan would have said some crazy stuff that kept the media going. Like, kind of like LeBron and Kevin Durant and all them guys do. They say something and we spin it and take it off somewhere else. Like, it would have been, oh, Jordan wants to do this. And, you know, he, he, he probably – if it was, if we picked it up, even in like the '80s, like he probably would demand a trade, like in '84, '85 when they was losing and and the, the GM want to bench him and not play him minimum restriction, he'd have been out of there. Oh, quick, quick, with the quickness. I mean, I just think that's that's crazy how like how social media is is going crazy and and how mm-hmm. how it really affects everything you know from the past to now. And I know our thinking, the way of thinking when we look at stuff, that's why we were so hyped on the Pippen contract because, like, right. dang, he's going to make it that much. But at, at the time, yeah. I mean, that's really all you could. I mean, as far as, you know, top money, I mean, he fought the years. It's got to tripping on that. But as far as, like, two or three years, <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was, you know, that was the highest paid players. And, and now, Otto Porter make all, more than all of them combined. Like, it's, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Uh, In Chicago, ridiculous. Uh, oh, man. It, it was trash. You're right. And then, then, then uh, Ron Harper make as much as uh, um, MJ on the same like when uh, he was in uh, LA. Yep. Yep. I mean, he was, it's crazy. It was four million dollars. <laughs> max. That max contract, super max. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that Jordan Supermax was like, we'll give you three. Million. That's it. We'll give you three million. To come through. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, did, did, y'all, did y'all see the LeBron James um, talk about the uh, season? Uh, he went like, just like that. He he killed he killed a report just like that. Imagine Jordan be like, "I'm not retiring," or <laughs> "Kill." <laughs> I thought, man, I, I just thought, I just thought, man, this this like this whole documentary is crazy. And like I said, I love that this it all intertwines. It's kind of like you need mm-hmm. to watch all of them at the same time to be like, oh, that's you know. We talk about Jordan losing to the Pippins, uh, to the Pistons early in his career. The bad boys, how they fell off, and then you got oh Jordan the whole time. But yeah, we had this whole documentary on the pace of the Knicks. 
They never talked about the next stage getting swept by, by Jordan. They ain't talking about that part. <laughs> that was pretty funny. But um, I appreciate uh, you for joining us, man. Um, that's all the time we have. About you know, about a good 30 seconds left. Uh, Ross, let everybody know where they can find you at. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. It's such a pleasure to join you guys, man. Hope to be able to do it again here soon. Had a blast with y'all during the MTMV mock draft, and so it meant a lot to be able to come back here and chop it up with you guys some more. Uh, if y'all are interested, you can follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson Nola, N-O-L-A. Y'all know I'm mad annoying about where I'm from. I represent New Orleans every way that I can, so I had to throw it in the Twitter handle. Uh, you can check out the Locked On Podcast, <laughs> Locked On Saints podcast, of course, every single Monday through Friday, fresh episodes about everything going on with your New Orleans Saints. And of course, you can catch all the writing as well over at CanalStreetChronicles.com. My brothers, thank you very much man y'all stay safe appreciate it man all right appreciate it preach we're glad to have you bro appreciate it thank you brother Rashad man appreciate you joining us man As different as everything seems this holiday season, one thing still holds true year after year. Everybody loves holiday scratch-offs from the Ohio Lottery. And with tickets available from $1 to $20, they're the perfect gift for anyone on your list 18 years or older. So stay safe this year and play it safe with your gift giving. Give scratch-offs from the Ohio Lottery. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Please play responsibly. You know, as different as everything seems this holiday season, one thing still holds true year after year. Everybody loves holiday scratch-offs from the Ohio Lottery. And with tickets available from $1 to $20, they're the perfect gift for anyone on your list 18 years or older. So stay safe this year and play it safe with your gift-giving. Give scratch-offs from the Ohio Lottery. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Please play responsibly.